I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. The podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help, the only advice podcast that has ever mattered or ever will, as we all agreed uh, throughout time and infinity. Um, I have had a great time doing the show. It gives me a, a, a certain um, a role to play in my life, but I love having people on who I've never met. But in this case, that not, that's not necessarily true. I've met half of this band. I've not met both of them, uh, but I'm excited to have Living Tombstone on. How are you guys? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, good, well, good, good. well, man. So, yeah, Sam, Surviving. you used to work at this at the stand. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was yeah. I was a door guy at a comedy club. That's 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 how I knew you or know you. I couldn't figure out like why what I knew you from. But uh, uh, you have we've not met. Nice to meet you. How are you, nice sir? To meet you too. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, doing pretty well, you know, despite you know, the current circumstances everyone's in, I don't need to mention yeah. that there's enough stories. Of course, that. but it, you know, it's, it, <laughs> it bears repeating. It's one of those yeah. things you can't not mention, especially mm -hmm. when you're, you know, talking about, you know, not that we talk about current events in the show or anything, but what the big thing about this show is it's basically just like um, how, how we're keeping ourselves afloat and uh, how, how fun things like comedy, like music, two things you guys do uh kind of uh, uh give us treats one one big uh, piece of my philosophy is that we need treats in life you know they don't yeah. necessarily live on them but they're 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 very necessary like are you both are you guys uh doing okay right now how how is everything generally speaking yeah good question we're, we're doing all right you know <laughs> i think we're bouncing off the walls a little bit yov and i yeah. in within about two weeks from each other reached both the man bun and mohawk stage of quarantine respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i love it yeah I, I i i like i like talking to younger dudes that are doing fun things you know and what you guys are <laughs> you're doing well could, first off first off about your band uh, mm -hmm. I'd never uh, heard your stuff, and it's awesome. First off, I should say, and also, thank you. Um, Thanks. We, because because I I just like having people on the show uh, who who are who are doing cool things and seem like cool people. But I, you were recommended by one of the guys who work on this show, Max. He was just like, "Oh, do you know the Living Tombstone?" I was like, "No." And so then I looked it up and was like, "Oh, okay." It's like basically. Would you call it electronic, electronica via rock music channels, or how would you? I was, I was listening to it, going like, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this, not to, you know, have to I, define everything, but I'll just let you talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel like I get asked the question a lot. Uh, I, I probably get asked the question more than Yoav does because Yoav is the one who sort of founded the act nine years ago, and I'm the guy right. who joined it later. Oh, so sure. I feel like I get asked the question a lot, like, what kind of music do you guys make? Um, and a lot of the time, I just, like, I, I answer young. <laughs> you know, it's sure. young music. I feel like they're past a generational line. Genre starts to not really exist so much anymore. And I feel mm -hmm. like it, even in the first place, it was so much a designator just to label different types of radio, like what a different radio station would play. Right. And as we've gone away from radio and into streaming, genre doesn't matter so much anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm an, I'm an old man compared to you both. But 
when I was uh, growing up in, in uh, Portland, Oregon, I remember, you know, there's a lot of experimentation in terms of music. And one, one thing that would always kind of trip anyone up is like, okay, well, what do they sound like? And I remember like one of the bands that I hit the wall on in terms of describing was like, they might be giants where you're yeah. like, what do they sound like? And like, oh, I don't know, man, you got to listen. I, there's nothing I can tell you that it'll sound like this or like that. And that's kind of what I dug about your guys' sound that I know, you know, I, I didn't do a ton of research on you because I just wanted to talk. Uh, but um, I know you, you guys have worked, you've done a lot of video game work. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah we have like a, a lot of love for video games and, and making songs about video games. Cause uh, a lot of the roots came from, you know, besides, you know, the love of music and everything is that mm -hmm. because you're on the internet, you're more likely to find a lot of niches, like yeah. people loving video games, you know one example or shows or or different kinds of things that people just love um and especially because on internet allows you to have these forums you know very specifically and that's right all, if you like uh, a show yeah. or a video game you can all you can find each other everyone who yeah. likes that show yeah and you can find a lot of people who besides loving these shows like that's what inspired me is that i saw people making art and music based on stuff that they love and i saw how people found musicians this way because they showed their appreciation first. And uh, I mean, you mentioned they might be giants, but I know that part of their success is that, well, they didn't necessarily make songs about these things, but their songs were super popular among different like uh, forums and groups and, and, yeah. and different people talking about them, using these songs as references for stuff they make. And, and that's how like the internet just thinks a lot. And that's how the Living Tombstone started just because of this mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I had uh, I have a cousin who writes video games and he's written books about video games. And oh, cool. I was nice. never like, I just don't play a lot of them. I definitely appreciate it. I do see it as a massive art form. It's mm -hmm. undeniable, you know, that it, that it is. If I, he and I wrote a, wrote a TV show about a video game production team that was at Showtime and then they decided not to pick it up. Uh, but then, uh, then that they might be, then the, it's always sunny guys. They did basically the, almost the same show, but it's just like, yeah. it was just parallel thing. but it was, uh, uh, it was interesting. He, I, he and I met in adulthood and, um, because our, our, uh, our parents are, are, um, my mother and his father are cousins. And so, uh, mm. long story long, he, at one point was out having dinner with my parents and me when I was visiting home. And uh, he made us play video games where he was like, he was like, took us back to the apartment. <laughs> like, look, you, ha you have to understand why this is important. Why and it was just kind of like, whoa. And it had been so long since I'd actually engaged myself in one. And make, writing that show with him, I understood how much music is as big a part of it as the visual aspect. It's, it's massive because you're inhabiting yeah. uh, another uh, entity's entire existence. And so you're hearing, you know, the, 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 the thematic fiber of it has got to be expressed. So that's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm sure you guys have had some people be like, oh, music about video games and in video games, really, who cares? They're not real. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. But it's just like, I balk at that because that's almost, that's like negating art as a whole <laughs> because you don't like it or don't understand it, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. And, uh, you know, we existed kind of in the fringe for a very long time because of that too, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, the act was very popular and had a lot of fans and views and whatever, but there was just absolutely no attention, even like a hostility to attention from like the mainstream 
mainstream music industry. Yeah, and course. this is, I mean, Yav made a song in 2014 about a game called uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, and that charted on Billboard. Like, it yeah. hit, like, number 12 yeah. on the dance charts. And there was still just complete, like, yeah, but that's internet video game music. It's... Uh, I feel like it's probably what people felt like writing comics in the in the fifties or sixties, where <laughs> where there was just this sense of just like, yeah, but is that art? Come on! But uh -huh. it, it really it, it's it's a form of mass media and pop art. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fascinating. This I wouldn't even say niche you've created or whatever, but right. it's it's I, I I like how you guys kind of have a fundamental idea of what it is and and are unapologetic about it, which is how. When people, when people call in, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of people who call in and are like, they're very unsure about themselves in a certain thing, but I, I kind of want to shake them and be like, you know what you love. Do that thing. Mm -hmm. Don't be ashamed of it, you know, uh, uh, especially because thankfully there's such a, a larger acceptance of, of, of yeah. whatever, whatever these, these communities are that we're, we're all embracing. Totally. And I think there's been kind of a, a pivot recently in, in culture to from the sort of guilty pleasure thing to from ironic enjoyment to unironic enjoyment. I feel mm -hmm. like unironic enjoyment is the new ironic enjoyment. What was, yeah. you know, like 10, 15 years ago saying like, oh my God, isn't this terrible? Isn't that great? Now oh, yeah. people, I, I mean, I think a great example is like the response to the Cats movie last year. Yeah. yeah. Or the beginning of this year where everyone was like, yeah, this is a train wreck and I earnestly love it. Like I, uh -huh. it's, it's a, it's almost like a callback to, to the popularity of like camp yeah. where people yeah. are saying, yeah, that's the point is that it's a mess. And, and that's what I love about it. Not kind of this thing where you have to plant your tongue firmly in cheek and be like, I know, isn't this terrible? Do you want to watch it? Ha ha ha. Yeah. There's no more sarcasm to it. Well, and it's, it's, you know, the thing that comes to mind for me was I remember going to this, this karaoke bar that we used to go to and there's this woman named nancy and i still will say the word the word the name nancy and i'll i'll laugh to myself because she unapologetically put in dozens of songs to the point where you know the karaoke dj is like next up nancy you know it's just that thing and and she always reacted like what what me like as if someone else put the song in. And I don't know if she was mentally imbalanced or if that was like a, a long game joke she was doing, but it got me every time. I'm like, this is this thing that she's done it to death and people hate her here, but it's like, I am her biggest fan because it's so ridiculous that she just keeps doing this and, and doing, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, there's, there, enjoyment is enjoyment. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? oh, totally, really? totally. And that's definitely where we, where we land on it. And it's part of why I think there, there are, you know, there are other people who do this kind of thing that we do mm -hmm. where there's a lot of sort of fandom involved in the art. Um, and a lot of those people, when they go kind of mainstream, they have this urge to distance themselves and act super ashamed of what they used oh, to do. Yeah. And we're, we're totally not about that. We're like, yeah, like we had a good time and so did you. Yeah, that's that's it. Like, so, Yoav, uh, yes. were you? How did how did you get into music? Where uh, where where did it kind of begin for you? It began. It's it's interesting because it's it's like we always talked about the internet up until now. It's also started because of the internet for the most part because I 
loved you know the idea of music a lot but i was really terrible at like trying to teach myself piano guitar or anything of that mm. sort and i thought that always discouraged me to from thinking that maybe music is not for me because i thought you have to make music because you have to perform it yeah. and and uh-huh. i'm like you know and then i realized on the internet that people have discovered that now you can just download software and just like try to make music like that and and because of this like internet community is talking about how to use it and i remember you know, because of how, you know, it was used, obviously there was already musicians using computers, of course, but not to the point that now you make it all by yourself in your bedroom. Uh, yeah. Because the idea that you make music in your bedroom was still new enough that it was only relegated to people, like, for example, like internet musicians and, and mostly that or electronic musicians. Um, mm-hmm. So so I remember like, you know, being self-taught and, 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 and at the time I was in Israel and I remember like no one really understood what to do with, with that. So I remember just teaching myself for years and years and years until later uh, when I decided to expose myself on YouTube and re- see what people, if people like whatever I'm trying to make, make in, in my own little world that I'm trying to make on the computer all the time. So. And how did you, I mean, you, 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 you nailed it in terms of like when you said, I, when I decided to expose myself. Because that, that, you know what I mean? I mean, it's you know like, what it's, I mean. Yeah, it sounds like, no, it's, I'm not even going for the joke. It sounds like a double entendre, but at the same time, that's what it is. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That where, where I, I did that when I finally, you know, it was like, I'm just going to, I've, I've been an actor, you know, that's a thing. You can be in a school play and stuff. But when you start doing stand up, it's like, what a dick. What are you doing up there? Get off the <laughs> stage. You're holding a mic, you know, like, this is not art. And I'm sure there was that thing where you're like, I have to, now, did you did you just uh, uh, when you when you started putting your music out there was it that moment of just like shit okay now now there's no turning back you know? it's kind of a both and actually I got an interesting question for you and also for Sam uh, when because I used to make music but mostly for just myself for many many years when I exposed myself again like love it <laughs> when I when I exposed myself the first time on YouTube I don't remember like necessarily having any kind of like I was a little bit hesitant but it was after years and years of just practicing with just myself and I guess ah. my question was how long have you guys practiced with just yourself until you decided okay stand up time I can my material is, is good shit I can put it out there like how long that took until you decided to come out there and do it? I, I will say the first time I did uh, an open mic, I'd already been an actor for like a, since I was a kid. And also I'd been doing improv and I had, you know, I, I had like, uh, so it wasn't, I, 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 I lucked out and then I had a real hot crowd. As I always say, the worst thing that could happen to a com- comic the first time happened to me, which is I killed. Mm-hmm. Because then you just right. think you're good and you're like, boy, this is easy. And then after that, you know, I ate my own dick for weeks and weeks and weeks. So, you know, it was, it was this thing of like, oh, I think this is going to be the, you know, like uh, so hard, but then it wasn't. But then, mm-hmm. you know, it was in a sense. So there wasn't, there wasn't as much, I don't remember there's much being like, a, I'm wringing my hands like, oh God, when, when, when. It kind of just kind of happened. What about, what about you, Sam? Yeah, you know, I, um, it's always, I always loved comedy. Like I know a lot of kids went to sleep, you know, listening to music as a kid, but I always went to sleep like listening to comedy albums. Like mm. I, I, I was probably like the only nine-year-old who had Woody Allen's The Moose memorized. Like I was just <laughs> obsessed with like old comedy and, and uh, you know, just like I voraciously consumed it. And I always liked it, but I never, you know, I feel like a lot of people, it takes them a while to think like, I could do this. I could work up the nerve and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day I met a friend. Actually, I met a friend almost exactly the way I met Yoav. I met Yoav at a karaoke party. 
Yes. And, yes. Nice. And I met uh, I met this friend of mine, uh, Tommy Kang. I'll give him a plug. He's a great hey, comic in New York, and he's awesome. a phenomenal comic actor, like out of this world good. Okay. And uh, I meet Tom. I go into a karaoke bar. Um, I had just finished hanging out with my friends, and like this was, I, I we had they they went on the subway to go home, and I was like, oh, I'm in Koreatown right now. I'm gonna stop up and have a beer. Um, and at the time, I had a habit of going into karaoke bars because I grew up in New York, and and karaoke bars were the places that didn't card me when I was underage. I had okay. since come of age, but it was it was a habit at this point that those those were places that I drank. Um, and so I go up, and uh, there's this bartender who's like doing impressions and talking about comedy and just being kind of a comedy nerd. And I strike up a conversation with this guy and it's Tommy. And we started just talking about comedy and we were having just this engaged conversation about comedy in New York until like six or seven in the morning. Wow. And at which point we were like, we need to, we need to go home. We need to get some sleep. Um, but do you want to do an open mic tomorrow? And that's, that's how it started. Oh, right on. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's we both crazy. just kind of had to make a pact like, we gotta stop just talking about this shit and just like mm -hmm. try it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I, I, the one big takeaway I hope people get from this show. Even we haven't even got to the calls yet, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I love how you guys have, you know, not only a, a real human friendship, but a natural enthusiasm for the stuff you do. Because we, we, yeah, we bonded because we also share in common a lot of friends who think the same about like just. Uh, like the big, I mean, it's the big difference between, you know, being inspired by, by something and actually looking for it actively, like actually searching for material and actually searching for it as opposed to just finding the right moment to strike you. And, and which is kind of like what uh, led us to just find like my people this way and niches as well. So, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think, I think that that happens a lot. Um, I, Yoav, maybe you, you wouldn't be as familiar with this, but I feel like there's that kind of uh, joke that people make about the, uh, the, the Mark Maron question, like, who are your guys? And in comedy, you always have your guys. You have your, your found family that, like, these are the people who I'm starting to make my art with at the same time. Yeah. And right. you become, you create this bond that is, like, we share something that no one else shares, like, this group of four or five people. Yeah. I, I, uh, my, my friend uh, Dave Holmes who uh, he was he was a VJ on MTV a hundred years ago and uh, he's a, he's a couple years older than me but he he's he's a writer now and a performer and stuff and he's gay and I remember he described to me the way he um, started finding his not only his 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 gay friends but like kind of like his scene like the moment he did it was like that uh, that scene in the um, in the Blind Lemon video where the little bee girl runs in the field and does yeah. all those bees. Like she yes. spent the whole episode, the whole episode, the whole music video and everyone's laughing at her because she's this little right. girl wearing a bee outfit for no reason. Then there's a field of bee people. Like it's, you know, that's that's kind of a, 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 I'm like bludgeoning you with the metaphor, but I always think about that when I think about like when you find like quote unquote your people. Oh, you know, absolutely. Like and and I feel like that's, Yoav, like you were kind of saying that earlier, like the internet allows us to all find our B people. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, especially since on the internet, it's a much more, it's weird. It's like you can find, I guess, common people more quickly, but it's most likely B people from different countries altogether. Yes. Which is why <laughs> more than likely that you'll find someone you really relate to, but he's like in Finland and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, I completely agree. It's it's uh, and and that's why it's important to 
know yeah it's actively seeking for it and i think it's also important to appreciate it because it's uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly it it's just like how you can't you can't just have a friendship you have to nurture it you know right, you exactly. have to, it, every i hate to say it but everything takes at least a little bit of work you know what i mean and it's like yeah. you're you know there i've had people my whole life who when you see them they're like oh man how have you been i love you blah 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 and it's like we don't really talk, man. I, I mean, I, I consider you a friend, but it's not like the way you're being so emotional right now, you're acting as if you have, you, you, you're trying to make up for things. Right. Yeah. It's, like, it's just like, and that's fine. We just don't talk that often. And I, you know, it's not breaking my heart, but don't act like we talk all the time. Oh, you know totally. I mean? It's interesting that there is that almost that second class of close friend sure. where you're like, oh, Dan, I fucking love Dan. And then I haven't <laughs> talked to Dan in two years. Of course, of course. Yeah. And you know, you know, to be fair, there's also those friends you never talk to, but when you see him again, it's like it was yesterday you were around. Right. Totally. You know? So it, 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 it takes all kinds. So uh, I always ask people when they're on the show uh, and I'll, I'll ask you individually, uh, do you get asked advice? from friends, from strangers, from, I, I know you, you have a, a, a huge internet reach. Do you get people asking you who are strangers? Yeah, I, I, I often than not, it's people who are trying to, uh, being the internet and all, they, they also, some, something to clarify is that us, a lot of fans like tend to, you know, in a way, and I completely understand them. A lot of them like niche things, but it also puts them as being a bit like, you know, they don't really know how to find themselves in the world, especially in the real world, where yeah. you have to deal with people you don't really relate to because they don't, for example, these bunnies in the back, like they're all from this franchise called Family of Freddy's that, that, I'm, uh, that, uh, that I made songs about. And, um, and, and these are things that in the internet, it's explosive. Everyone talks about it. Even Jack Black makes, song, uh, makes videos about them. But on, in the real world, like if, let's say, if you go to school or something like that, you won't find people to really understand this the same way you do. And that's why sometimes these people come to me and they say, what should I do with what I do? Like, what should I do with what I love? And how do I make it so people know that I care about it? And I tell them, listen, when I started out and I know I felt the same way, to me, I feel like the most important thing is, is first of all, just do it. Because sometimes you'll be surprised how much you need uh, a talent and how much you need to work on mm. things because it helps you survive. Yeah. Uh, often than not, when people start out and do these things, they, they are scared and they need something to survive. And that's why they, they need art to make this kind of stuff. Once you get to the process of finally you realize that you, what you are doing is, is, is really important and talent, th at this point you're trying to relearn things. But once you get to that point, it's important to always remember that it's okay to do these things if you just need to feel like it's part of you and nothing else. It's, it's hard. But right, really. right. Things that you, you need to do them for yourself. You don't exactly. need to do them for the approval that everyone else is going to Exactly. Because that's, that's, the, that's like the, the advice everyone online gives. It's like, if you're going to do it online, don't do it if you don't like it. You're going to hate it very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Always, always do it if you love it, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I definitely, I get approached for advice a lot. Um, and I would say not for not for a specialized way, the way that Yoav is about like, oh, I have a passion and I want to create stuff. I feel like I, um, I mean, I, maybe I, this is, maybe I have participated in making this happen, but uh, I feel like certainly I get looked at by some people I know as like the advice ombudsman, where, where I'm, where it's like, oh, what do I do about this? 
oh, let me, let me ask Sam. Let me talk to Sam about it. So I definitely, I'm used, I'm used to the advice giving thing. I, okay. I'm hoping that it holds up when it's strangers. Sure. Yeah, it's always different. I mean, I've, yeah. I've had, I've asked so many people on the show and uh, I had people that were like uh, Aparna Nancherla, who's like very, very sweet and nice. And totally. she's like, yeah, I think people ask me because they know I'm not going to say anything mean. <laughs> like, it, it varies. Yeah. You know? uh, I think we all, we all, if whether we're aware of it or not, we, we get, we get asked, you know, advice in different, in different methodologies and forms. Um, where, whereas, I mean, generally there's something people they want to hear something and sometimes yeah. they'll ask you just to hear it kind of thing so i get yes. some of those calls but you never kind of you never know the great thing about this uh this show is i don't hear them in advance right when he listens to the calls i don't know what we're going to be waiting through here so well uh, if, if i'm sure you've said this at some point but can i ask like because because if you have I, I i haven't heard it what drew you to giving advice are you that person for your friends where they're like i, I got a question i gotta ask matt not really it was just one of these <laughs> things where where i uh i had a, a podcast called ding donger with matt pronger and then i had people just start calling in and 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 would would ask me stuff and i think it's just because i'm i'm a pretty amiable guy like right. I'm kind of a, I'm like a fun uncle. So like, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like uh, uh, dog on you too hard or anything. But and then, then the podcast turned new advice uh, from a dipshit. Cause I, I thought the name was funny, but it just was, it was almost like <laughs> almost too strong. Right. Term because it's like, I'm, I had people listen. There was like, you're not really giving dipshit advice. This is good advice. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm going to treat it sincerely. I need to change the name again. So yeah, here we are. But yeah, that's, that was the evolution. It wasn't, wow. I didn't, I didn't really grow up with people asking me, you know, advice. I had to kind of, uh, deep into adulthood, start talking about my feelings, like going to therapy and, and, and being a lot more outward and, and less self-centered. When, when did you start going to therapy? Uh, uh, about, probably about eight years ago, I think. So mm. I started with a therapist that what I didn't really connect with. And I was with her for a couple months. Then I, now the therapist I'm with now I've been with for years. Yeah, I feel like finding the right therapist like you're you're just with them for as long yeah, as they'll have yeah, you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You yeah. connect well. So, okay, well, are you ready for the first call? Yes. Very excited. Okay, uh, roll it, Renee. Hey, Matt. Uh, first off, let me say that I'm a huge fan. You know, on more than one occasion, your stand-up has gotten me through some dark times during this shit show, fucking fire festival of a year. So thank you so much for that. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't want to go on too long, so I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Um, I live with my best friend. Uh, we've been friends since our freshman year of high school, and we're both now in our mid-20s, and we've been roommates for around five years. Uh, now, this guy is one of the kindest, funniest people I know. He has the most infectious laugh ever, uh, which makes him a perfect guest for, like, a, a, a show or a you know, comedy night or something like that. Um, and I feel like we can talk to each other about almost anything except for one major thing, which is his weight. Uh, my friend has been considered to be obese for pretty much the entire time I've known him. But in recent years, I've just noticed him getting bigger and bigger. Uh, I don't know the exact measurements uh, as far as, like, what he weighs, but I know that he wears a size uh, – 4XL shirt, possibly 5XL. 
Um, he eats giant portions at every meal. He's been breathing heavier. And on top of that, I know it's taking a toll on his mental health, too. Uh, he's been starting to keep to himself more lately. Um, and so with COVID affecting heavier set people um, and COVID cases on the rise, I've never been more worried about his health. I'm just genuinely afraid of what might happen if he doesn't start making changes. But I don't want to bring it up and risk offending him and jeopardizing our friendship. So I guess my question is, how do I convince him to start losing weight without hurting his feelings? You know, any and all help is appreciated. Once again, I'm a huge fan and just uh, keep doing what you do, Matt. Thank you. Dude, uh, you sound like a hell of a person. Yeah, it sounds you sound fun. like an awesome person. And and it it's it's so hard, but you just got to take the bull by the horns and just – and I, it, I would say, uh, like – let your vulnerability show, let your love for this person show, but just be like, man, I'll do anything you want if I can help you, but you got to start losing some weight. I'm really worried. And just, just talk about how you talk to, to us about, about COVID about, I mean, if he's, if he's breathing heavy in the large portions, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, comics I've known uh, who would, who would eat like it, it was really bad where it was kind of like they would kind of, you know, just shovel it in, shovel it in. And it was, it's that thing where it's just like, well, that's not sustenance, that's addiction. And it's really hard and it, it it's going to make him feel terrible. And it's that thing, it's the, it's, it's the, I'm not making a fat joke. It is the elephant in the room. It is the thing that is going to be like, he'll see it coming and he'll hear it halfway through the sentence. But if he dies and you haven't said anything, it, it's, your life will be very hard. And I don't want that for you. So uh, I'll let you guys take it from there, but that's that's yeah. my opinion. I mean, yeah. I I think it's important to approach something like this with a lot of sensitivity because yeah. I'm sure, like your roommate knows, yeah. you know, like he, you're not. The, I feel like a mistake that people fall into a lot um, is that they talk about stuff like this in like a very shamey way, in a way yeah. that they're they're like saying, hey, you know it's actually been this way when the person knows like he mm. he's in his own body living his own life like he knows what's going on um i i i would say if it seems like he's like really getting just like depressed and down about himself like you need to talk to it you need to talk to him in a way that is coming from a place of trust not coming from a place of authority yeah, because if it. you're yeah if you're coming from a place of like listen you're gonna make yourself sick and you gotta lose weight because you're not gonna be healthy like like first of all i think there are studies that show that like that's really bad at yes. helping people lose weight and yeah. it's it's just important that like he your roommate has to know it and want it too, because if you're, if you're putting this on him as yeah. an authority, like that's just going to be more unhealthiness for him. And then all of a sudden he's going to be dealing with more stress in his daily life. And like stress is a killer. You, yeah. you know, I, so it's, it's really important to deal with this from a place of, of sensitivity and in a place that's like, productive and not acting not acting condescending like i know something you don't know about your own body and the yeah. way that you need to conduct your life yeah. right yeah. 
I think like in general, as long as it comes from a place of understanding and if weight is not the thing he wants to talk about, then I, get, I agree that it should probably come from an angle of, you know, if you don't want to talk about that, I, I get it. But, but it, I know that usually like I just worry about you because it seems like this comes from an act of feeling depressed or feeling like there's something about you that they're trying to combat because if it's not that, then, then we need to understand like why is it that, that like this, you, you, you probably feel a certain way and I can see that. Yeah. You, know, right. you don't need to talk about this, but, but you have to understand that I can still see that you're acting some way. It's like, if it's not this, you could be scratching your hand, for all I know. Right. Um, the, the, the root of this guy's pain is not that he's overweight. It sounds right. like he's overeating because he's in pain. Yeah. So I think it's important to, to make it like you're taking stock of everything. Like take a holistic approach, like sure. what's going on in life? Talk to me about, are you hurting? Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, we're stuck here together. Let's help each other. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's. I I uh, I have neighbors who I'm like, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I'll see them after I've haven't seen them in weeks, and I'm like, whoa, God, you blew up, man. You know, mm -hmm. it just I just I just wouldn't say it to them, but I'm kind of it, it, not that it makes me concerned necessarily, but it is. That's very rigueur right now. A lot of right. people are gaining a lot of weight, so he's certainly not alone. That is, yeah. is, is happening everywhere. Food is ultimate. It's the ultimate comfort. I would it's say, all, uh, you know, out, outside of human comfort, it's number one. Booze totally. is probably number two, but like food is, you know. For, for a lot of people, food is the only vice we really have access to right now as no. well. Like it reliably so um, because, you know, booze below a certain point of dependence on it, you're probably not just, at home cracking open a bottle of whiskey by yourself. Exactly. So yeah. food is, it's non-social. You have to eat every day to stay alive. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's very easy for it, it to become a thing that you rely on. And it's, you know, I don't even know if that there's anything wrong with relying on food emotionally at times, but no, I think, of course not. You, you know, like I, I have major depression and like I go through phases where my relationship to food is like really fucked up. Sure. And I think it's never, it, and it's never a food problem. It's always like, I'm really depressed right now and I need to do something about the depression to fix that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who, food heals. But and you also yeah. gotta remember that, like, there's there's different kinds of thinking about what kind of do you want from food that you're craving, because technically there's a lot of sugar and everything. Yeah, and it's enough that you eat. Like, there's always a stereotype of eating dessert, like eating like ice cream in order to to feed off depression. And then and the thing is, is that you know these things in food like are the really I think I mean that's as far as I understand it could be the thing that most people really think about when it comes to just gobbling a lot of up, because it means that you're getting a lot of things that taste good, but in in abundance and it's also cheap so it's like it's really yeah. easy to think in that sort of situation but in general like yeah i think like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh, yeah it, i mean look you guys you guys nailed it it's you know i'll just say to, to the caller yeah just make sure you 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 talk to your roommate and from a position of of, of love and understanding and but make but make sure you do and and don't worry so much about hurting his feelings they're gonna get hurt on, so, on a certain level but you love the guy so yeah, yeah. it's not gonna yeah. come from a bad place so woo, we got a heavy one yeah first, no, first it was, call, it, right was, out of the uh, gate yeah, man yeah. yeah went real dark so uh yeah. let's let's <laughs> let's see what number two is roll it 
Oh, I had a question for Matt Bronger, the Living Tombstone Band, and Brent Terhune. Oh, I probably just fucked that up. Um, do comedians mind when people tell them silly stories just to make them laugh with no, all the, no other alternative means? And do comedians mind that we uh, use your phrases uh, or, or tell your jokes to, to uh, let people know about you? Uh, this is Nervous Nick. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Nervous Nick. Um, well, and let me, let me let, cause I started off on that last one, but he did say comedians, but like, do you guys uh, get people talking about music to you or uh, video games even, um, mm. and or reference your shit to you? And does it bug you? Um, I, I don't think it, it doesn't bug me at all to get our stuff referenced to me. Um, I appreciate when someone has something else to say um, because ultimately, you know, like we're not, we're just people, right? Like we're not, we're not characters, you know? And so it's not like our, our, our whole existence is not around uh, uh, being TLT. Like we're just guys and we don't want to, I, I feel like it's almost like a very celebrity reaction of just mm. like, hey, remember this thing you did? Yeah. Um, but And like, it's very cool and it really is heartwarming to hear from people like, hey, this piece of art you made like is really meaningful to me and I like it a lot. But like, also we wanna engage with you and know you. It's, and, and if you're referencing us to us, then really our only point of reference in a conversation is us and we'd like to know you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, referencing, I mean, I was thinking more of the sense that there's a lot of memes that were popping up of like our stuff and sometimes they yeah. would, like reference whatever hmm. I think that popped from a song that, that we've done. And, uh, but, but, but yeah, I think like in general, well, it, it really depends. It's like sometimes people get to ask us questions about what the songs mean and stuff, especially since the last album was like full of stuff that was very easy to interpret as, is it about us or is it about the character we made? And then, then we need to explain that. But uh, but in general, like it, it never, I don't know, from, from the perspective of enjoying the fact that people just love reacting to our stuff, like this is fun to see people accept mm -hmm. meme or not. But but I also agree with Sam. Like, if it's only if you only talk about us, then 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 we don't really have anywhere to go with this. Because then then it's like, well, it's awesome, but but it seems to me that you want to talk about us because there's something about you that you want to say about us, and let's go from there. That would be actually nicer if we could do. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, I, in terms of people just telling me funny stories because I'm a comedian, it, it happens sometimes. I never got the correlation where mm -hmm. it's like, you're a comedian, you love jokes. Here's some. It's like, well, yeah, but I'm around them all the time. And it's not yeah. like I need, you know, to, 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 to necessarily hear your story. But that said, if someone's telling me something funny, then that's great. Um, not necessarily like from the perspective of the stereotype would be the older relative. There's like, oh, you're a comic. You'll love this. Yes. Here, take this joke and <laughs> use it. And it's yeah. just a garbage, semi-racist story from some guy. Um, totally. <laughs> but when, when, when someone's like references a joke I've, I've said and yells it or whatever, that's typically fine. I will say longtime listeners of, of, of my stuff or people who are aware of my jokes, they know I have a, I have a bit um, called F.U. Peaches. That was uh, this time I, it's a story about the time my now wife and I uh, got drunk and stoned and went to a bar and bingo was, was, was happening. And I was, I was just 
way out, zonked, and I took a bingo card and won right away. Like I won <laughs> like the next five things. And I yelled bingo. And everyone's like, whoa, and they're angry because I guess it had been going a long time. And I stood up and I had a t-shirt on from a record store in New Orleans called Peaches Records. And this woman just yells, fuck you, Peaches. And I forgot I had it on. And so I was like, why am I Peaches? And like, I got <laughs> in my head and I, like this whole place hates me. Yeah. But, so I've had people yell, fuck you, Peaches at me all over the country. And, uh, you know, once across an Ikea. Like, <laughs> it's, and it's one of those things where... I, 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 it's not as bad as like when, when Dave Chappelle did, um, I'm Rick James, bitch. People were yelling it at him when he was at Disneyland with his kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. call me a bitch in front of my kid, you know, but it is someone yelling, fuck you. So 99% of the time it was like, ah, hilarious. But there's that 1% where I'm like, hey, don't yell that in my face. Yeah, I yeah. will say, you know, like the worst I've seen is I did a, a festival uh, in, in, uh, in Telluride, Colorado, and uh, Jason Manzukas was there and he plays a, a maniac on uh, um, what's that damn show where they play fantasy football. Nick Kroll's on it. Oh, yeah, the league. Here. The league. Thank you. I know. Yes. Guys. Like, yeah. The fuck? So yeah. And these drunk uh, dudes keep yelling his lines in his face. Oh, just my God. Without, and, I'm, and Jason is going, but I don't like that, man. I don't like that. And the kid's like, what, dude? Be cool, man. Because they're all just housed. So yeah. it's like they're you know in answer to do we like it most of the time but there's yeah. that every once in a while where it's just like no please stop yelling my joke in my face yeah you know but yeah. i will say literally 90 95 percent of the time it's been awesome i when uh totally uh, when biden won i was in i was in louisiana i was in new orleans and this guy came out of a bar or a restaurant with his kid and was like uh, uh, a little bit buzzed and was like, hey man, are you Matt Bronger? You know, your joke, blah, blah, blah. I love it. Just want to say, sorry to bug you. And like walked away and I was like, that was magical. That's that so nice. nice. <laughs> yeah, it was the coolest. Well, as if this day wasn't already the best. Oh. You know, I had, <laughs> I, I will say, I feel like I had the best possible version of that with, I, I, there, I had an ex-girlfriend and we, I, I was meeting her parents for the first time at dinner. And our server came up to us and was like, hey, Sam, I saw you on stage two days ago. This guy's so funny. And I was nice. like, that because there could nice. not be a better timing you, for that. You, you validated me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Thanks, caller. I hope that uh, answers your question. Okay. So we got, we got one more. We ready? One more. Okay. Roll right. it, Renee. Uh, hello, sorry for whispering. I'm trying not to wake my uh, sleeping baby. Um, I guess I was wondering. My mom spent about ten years dying of Alzheimer's, and it fucking sucked, as you'd expect. Um, and you know, she died two years ago. I'm in my mid-thirties, so it was kind of early onset. And my dad has kind of just been a swirling morass of like bitterness since then. It's not like they were you know, Hollywood lovey-dovey, but they had kind of, I guess, kind of come to an understanding and, and, and you know, taking care of somebody with dementia, especially when you know them and love them fucking sucks. And he's a boomer, so he refused to accept help, either, you know, in home or therapy for himself, which, you know, how can you not need it? Um, anyway, he's, he's, you know, he's in, he's not a dumb guy. You know, he knows to wear his mask. He knows to respect pandemic situations to be what they are but he's falling into lately this kind of glorifying in in the 
in the shittiness of the world, like saying, ha ha, I told you so when things go shitty politically or when, um, you know, uh, despite everybody's best interests, you know, shit gets worse, whether you're talking about the virus or, uh, I don't know, global unrest. And, you know, I thought, certainly I didn't have a child to cheer him up, but I thought a grandson might be, you know, um, cheering for him the way it kind of is for a lot of people. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, sure, he likes seeing his grandkid, but it's not enough to kind of pull him out of it. And he just won't kind of, you know, there's online dating, there's, you know, he has tons of hobbies, but he's just kind of bitter. And it's frustrating for me thinking, you know, when my kid, he's only one, but when my kid's old enough to hang out with him, Grandpa's going to be this swirling murk of bitterness and uh, frustration, and I don't know how to make him more of a dad I knew growing up, you know, who would joke and, and you know, make hilarious comments and, and insightful stuff, too. I don't know how to get that guy back, and I totally get that he's wrecked by the loss of my mom. I mean, our family in general was kind of wrecked by that, um, but it'd be nice to recognize him again and I don't know how to get through to somebody of his age but also self-regard so yeah if you have any ideas on how to get through to boomers that'd be great <laughs> god damn boomers um yeah that's thanks for calling first off uh and that's awful and uh sorry to hear about your mom um but you know, here's here's the thing. Two things. One, I don't know if you can change him, but uh, all you can do is is be honest and try. And since this guy seems to love giving people the raw deal, and I've known a lot of people like that. I've had friends like that who are just like, yeah, but it sucks anyway. So fucking who cares? And like, I get it. I get where he's coming from with that. He lost, you know, his wife. I would be uh, a, an angry. Uh, person if that happened to me I'm sure I'm sure I would be far more negative than I am at the same time you can kind of just be straight up with him because you sound like you 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 sound like you're you've got a lot of sympathy for him which you should but you lived through that too that was your mom like that you have a connection to that person that he could never understand um and so you you have ground to stand on to turn to him and go look you're being a cock you're not making it, I wouldn't, I won't even say easier. You're making it hard, making it hard for me, hard for my, my kid. I love you to death, but fuck off. You know, I, I you know, don't use these words, please. This is not verbatim, but like, yeah. that's the feeling behind it where it's like, I love you so much, but you're, you're, you're not doing right by us. And you're not, not certainly not doing right by yourself. You're not wrong. Everything is on fire. That's true. But at the same time, we have to make the best of it and, and we, we need each other. So it's, it's, and it's tough. I get it. I, I, you know, like I said, it might not work, but that's, that's okay. Because at least when you, with this situation, you know, like the guy who called before with his roommate, he's, he feels this person slipping away. And it's this thing where you have to approach it with as, as, as much vulnerability as you can. And with this, use the vulnerability too, but at the same time, you, 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 you can, you, I think you can go a little harder because I think he'll, he'll appreciate that. I'm not talking scream in his face, but just lay out the facts. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I, I've had to talk to friends who have been exhaustingly negative where I'm just like, you just make it harder. 
you make me tired because mm. all you say are negative things. And I know that's satisfying for you in a weird way. It's for all of us. It's very easy to be like, what's the point? Then it fucking, everything sucks. Yeah, okay. But at the same time, where, where does that leave us? So totally. I, I, I kind of went all over the place there, but I, I think you get where I'm coming from. I'll, I'll, I'll pass the baton. Okay. Uh, I, have a, I have a lot of thoughts about this one. Um, uh, one, of, one. I'm yes. I'm okay. Well, one, I'm one of as them. As you want. Okay. <laughs> one of them is um, I think it would be good to get him near a therapist. Um, and it's yes. very, very hard to get people of a certain age to therapy. Yep. Um, but I think exactly what you were talking about, Matt, like this is something that happened to you too. And I think maybe a way to approach therapy is to say, I want to talk to a counselor about what happened with mom. Will you come with me? Yeah. Great idea. And I think that's a way to get you both in an open dialogue about it, to get you to process grief a little more and to do it in front of each other and kind of unmuddy those lines of communication. Cause it's like, it feels like there's this kind of this mental block of like anytime there is hope because I have faced so much sorrow. It's mm -hmm. like, why have hope? Who gives a shit? Right. It's so I think processing through the grief a little bit to let you see the light on the other side and let you in a therapeutic session process those feelings and learn to kind of count your blessings and whatnot. But also like he's not going to be the same dad to your kid that he was to you i feel like uh, speaking as another person with a young kid like our our parents never treat our kids the way they're going to treat us it's just it's yeah. it's always it's going to be more to one side or the other and and i think a big part of that is like they feel like they've learned something in raising us uh or they feel like they made some mistakes or they simply have like rose colored glasses on on how they were as parents and they're just going to act the way they thought they were a parent as opposed to the way they actually were a parent um right. and i so i i would not expect that from him and then the last thing that uh, occurred to me is that also a generational thing although i i feel like i relate to this feeling very much um, I personally feel like retirement is impossible. I feel like the idea of not doing anything anymore fills me with, like that feels like death more than death mm -hmm. does. Yeah. That feels like mm -hmm. the end. Um, and I, I saw it with my grandfather when he passed away. Like he got, you know, he was having health problems and then eventually it was like, oh, well for the good of his health, maybe he should stop working. And like that was the, that was the tipping point. And then like he just went off and died yeah. soon after. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I feel like, it is important for people to still feel like they have a purpose. And there are some people yeah. in that generation who are really good at being rudderless, who would just like go to the fucking villages and play golf for the rest of their life. And like, they're happy with that. Sure. There are a lot of people who aren't. And I think a big part of that is like the, I mean, I'm, I, I'm Jewish, but I, the, the American Protestant kind of like bootstraps, individualism, work for every dollar you have to put the food on the table thing. And like you feel like you are worth nothing if you are not doing something productive. And to that end, I would say a really simple suggestion is like, see if you can get him a dog. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> like having a thing like I, you know, as much as it might feel counterintuitive to like the last thing this man needs is to take care of another living thing. That's yeah. probably exactly what he needs. Um, yeah. I feel well, he like needs, he needs a connection. Yeah. yeah. To, to yeah. Your, I think to your like, point. 
Yeah. I think yeah. I completely agree with what you said in the beginning, Sam. Like maybe maybe just just getting him, or, or just I think like it's something you both said. Like regarding just making sure that he has a consultation or something that they can talk to. And nowadays, because of how everyone's stuck at home, you can just initiate through Zoom. It's much much more comfortable to do it from home. Yeah. Where he doesn't need to feel like this is going into a different room, different place, and I feel like he needs to be questioned because if there's something I do agree is that the problem right now with an older generation is that they're stuck longer with a specific mentality than we have. So for us to undo certain thoughts and ideas that were wrong is easier because we were living in such a, it's just a generation that we are used to the internet as opposed to like another mm-hmm. generation that now has to deal with it for way longer. And now suddenly they're told they're wrong and, and to think that differently, even though, even if they are wrong to suddenly know this after 60 years of living and then suddenly telling you, Hey, you're wrong about stuff. You're like, Oh, oh. totally. And, and, and I get that. So, so there, there is like a lot of entanglement when it comes to just understanding that. And they're all, the whole idea of being a rose colored, you know, glass, you know, glasses. A basically the point is that if they think they were good parents, uh, and now their their views shattered. Like I get that. So I guess like, yeah. I, I I agree that having a, 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 a like some con- some counseling with someone through Zoom and just make it very casual, very simple would probably be the yeah. best idea. And I think you know, as an adult past a certain age, you really don't have those. There's a I feel like there's a window um, mm-hmm. where you have a lot of real like heart to hearts with your parents, and it's like above a certain age where you can have deep introspective conversations but below a certain age before you know you go off and like live your life as an individual adult so i feel like it's probably rare that you and your father may have conversations where you're getting deep in the same way where you're like let me tell you how it ripped my life in half when mom yeah i mean that that's why that's why i was kind of leaning on the the angle of you gotta go hard yeah, because yeah. It's, it's just he's not going to understand, you know, any or he's not. Excuse me. He's not going to take you seriously unless you do not even yeah. like I said, don't yell in his face, but just be like, look, I'm just going to lay it out, dad. I love you. I you know, your idea of canceling is great. But if he does the thing where he's like, just withdraws and is like, that's yeah. not for me, then be like, all right, dad, well, I, you know, uh, let me tell you this, too. You know, this thing that, you know, just let him sit with it a minute and not in an accusatory way. Not like you son of a bitch. You're so negative. Right. Nothing like that. But just, just like, just, I gotta be honest with you. Yeah. Explain you know, you're the hardship it, that this you're makes making it for, tough. Exactly. Cause, cause yeah. it's like, it's one thing to think this only, cause sometimes, you know, people are like that just to themselves because I think it doesn't necessarily bother that many people outside and mm-hmm. you have to just explain to them, listen, I, I get it, but it hurts me. Yeah. It yeah. Me yeah. Because, because in the end of the day, I, I, I can't like, you have to understand that with everything going on, and you and possibly mentioning the fact that COVID is going on is also important because in the end sure. of the day, you're you're already dealing with it, you know, in different degrees. But now with COVID and on top of it with everything else, you gotta understand. So I agree with going hard is 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 helping. Good yeah, just, yeah. Being, just being straight up and honest. Yeah. You know? Totally. I yeah, it's you know, if you if you start from a place of how you were hurt, it might help him learn how to find the words to talk about how he is hurt. And, and beyond that, like it might also activate that kind of like parent, you know, it might flip the parent switch back on where he's like, Oh, I need to be daddy again. Like I, I I think, you know, uh, we all made amazing points, but I think you have, (laughs) I think you have really nailed it because we said it hurts me. Because yeah. that, that, I think, is going to lay the seed in his heart where he's like, fuck. You know, where it's that thing where 
you can be all day long. Like, you know, it's frustrating, dad, you tire me out. But if you just kind of lay that out, like, look, man, you're, it hurts me the way you've been. And mm -hmm. that would make, I'd imagine, you know, I have a daughter, <laughs> you know, and like, if my, if my daughter grew up and said that to me, I would be destroyed. Oh yeah. So like, you know, just like any, anyone who has someone that they, that they love on that level, if you said that to them. So, mm -hmm. um, I think it's amazing. We had two pretty fucking heavy ones. Guys. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's be honest. This was, this was, uh, but this is, this is great. Did you guys have fun? Oh yeah. yeah I had a no. ton of fun. Awesome. This is Before awesome. you go, is there anything uh, you want to you want to plug at all? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It Sweet. it would be great if you could um, uh, check out our album, listeners. Our album is called Zero One. It's zero underscore one spelled out. Z e r o o n e. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, we're the Living Tombstone. You can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. We post we post mainly our hub of content is YouTube, but you know, you can follow us. Uh, we're living tombstone on Twitter. Uh, also let me just think of our social. I think we're like the living tombstone official or something on Facebook. Cause someone <laughs> else took living tombstone. Um, <laughs> Actually, the reason was is that at the time everyone says Skrillex did Skrillex official. You should do the Living Tombstone official without thinking that no one used that. Never mind. Oh yeah, it's done. It's <laughs> yeah, done. it's done. I mean, it's like it's not to tangent super hard, but it's like how re it's it's how completely stupid it is that like the president's Twitter handle is real Donald Trump. Like, <laughs> tr no, I'm the guy. Trust me, official. <laughs> Um, <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorites though is when someone like you Sounds know, like an Xbox gamer tug name. When, yeah, when, yeah. <laughs> when someone like lights in on me on Twitter for something I said, and I look, and they're the real someone, and they have like nine followers. Yeah, like you, you, oh, you're the real one. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just put real on there to try yeah. to be big or famous. That's that's quality. That's I quality. love that. Yeah, but um, but yeah, thanks again, guys, for coming on. This was a blast getting to know you, and uh, yes. uh, you guys really. Yeah, yeah, you helped. You really Thank helped. you. So oh, appreciate it, guys. That was awesome. That it was it feels good to help. And if you're watching this, go help people. It feels good. Yeah, fuck yeah, it. yeah, yeah. If you can give advice and it's good advice, stick your it. nose in people's business. Why not? Advice is free. Give it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to this. Might help. If you need any advice, no matter how serious or stupid, call three two three seven six three zero two two eight. Again, that's three two three. 763-0228, and thanks. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.